this would have been this would have started out like your average day in the office well not day in the office um, night in the paddock should could we say for these shepherds they were not really highly regarded people and it makes it very a remarkable thing that the message that we've just read here was entrusted to some people at definitely the lower pecking order of society and particularly of religious society because by definition of their duties they couldn't keep up with all the washing of hands and so on that was required. They couldn't um, take the day off every Sabbath day and so on and, and do no work when something was happening. with them. So they, it was a very lowly and, um, in fact, in many respects, despised profession. Um, C.H. Spurgeon, commenting on this passage, um, he described this as the sermon of the first evangelist under the gospel dispensation and went on to observe that the preacher was no less than an angel of God and then, and then takes up um, the message that the angel spoke. But I do want to draw, just try and picture what it was like for those fellows out there. Um, I don't know whether you've ever been had a duty that's taken you into the darkness of the night. Uh, I, this recalls for me being a national serviceman up at Amber, RAF base at Amberley and being on guard duty um, and you're sort of walking around with multi-million dollar aircraft there and you're supposed to be guarding them with a, a 303 rifle with no ammunition in it and, and so on. And every time there's a contraction in the building, they're metal hangers, there's cracks here and cracks there, and you don't know whether to issue your challenge, um, advance and be identified, or whatever it is we had to say if anybody was, was there. And I don't think people who were going to do you harm would advance and be identified anyway. But the, it was scary stuff. It, it didn't matter how tough you thought you were as a young bloke, Getting around in the darkness and this crackling and noise going on, it it really unnerves you a bit. And uh, I was reminded of it only recently. I was down the back garden um, in the evening to... Um, I, actually, I was looking for toads. This is off the point. But um, then, uh, I, without noticing them beforehand, a, a family of... Um, of um, what a possums was on the post, and I nearly walked into them. And it's, it scares you. Well, look, these blokes were out on the ordinary night's work. They'd gone out from their homes. This was another ho-hum occasion. Um, I suppose they'd got to keep an eye open for, from David's example, bears and lions, uh, wild animals would be a threat to their flock. They'd have to be keeping an eye open for that. But other than that, things were pretty normal, and then this occurred. And it's a remarkable situation that has never been replicated or even approximated in the arrival of any other person um, into this world. And the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ on that occasion was heralded by an angel of the Lord whose very presence caused terror 
to those men. We remember that at the, at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're told the, the account covers the dealings of the, the angel with those guards who were there. And when the angel of God appeared, they became like dead men. They, the presence of an angel from God's presence is a terrifying experience, obviously. And these fellows would have been massively um, unsettled by what happened. But the, the angel of the Lord stood before them, the, and more than that, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The wonder of all that is probably a bit more than we can take in. But the angel assured them, that they were safe. He, he, in fact, what were his words? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, we do well to take notice of that. If C.H. Spurgeon regards this message as the first evangelistic message under the new order of things, we'll take notice of what he has to say. I just want to look at a few aspects of the responses of these shepherds um, to the situation that was emerging around them. Firstly, that having been told what they are told here, they ascertained the facts. They, they immediately went to Bethlehem to see if it was as they had been told it was or believing that it was to actually confirm it to themselves. So we'll look at that, how they first of all ascertained the facts. Now, for both the children and those of us who are older, we never need to be afraid of the truth, but rather need to pursue the truth of God. And it's error, it's, it's untruth that leads people astray. And these dear, um, unsophisticated um, but God, God-fearing people took seriously what the Lord had showed to them and they went their way into Bethlehem. They, the scripture says that their response was, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. An event that had been as we were reminded this morning, had been foreshadowed in the Old Testament scriptures um, and uh, our brother Tom led us through a number of those that had made it clear that the Messiah was coming, that he was coming, he was coming, but when they did not know. The same as, in, in a sense, like we know that he's coming again, but we do not know when he's going to arrive. Well, they were, had been transfixed with fear, but their response was one of good common sense. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's follow up on the information that we've heard. And as we're taught the scriptures, as we're brought to understand the truth of God, we need to look into it. It's our responsibility to follow what we're taught intelligently and diligently. Um, they'd been told that there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. This is the Messiah. 
This is the one that our forebears have been waiting for, looking forward to. This is the one promised from the Garden of Eden, and he's now here. And that was astonishing news for these dear dear men. Now, isn't it amazing that that was not a revelation brought to the scholars in, um, in Jerusalem? Indeed, it may well be um, not only a reflection on the fact that the Lord um, is no respecter of persons and he'll bring this sort of um, news to the humblest of, of people, but also probably an indictment on that, um, that attitude that our brother mentioned to us both at the prayer meeting yesterday and again this morning of uh, absolute indifference to um, news of, of that kind. They were comfortable in their religious round of activities and responsibilities and privileges and uh, it didn't, wouldn't have particularly fizzed on them, whereas th- these men responded in a way that is a good example to all of us. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. They very seriously went about ascertaining the fact they actually left their flocks. Now, this was a big matter for them. They, their business was to look after a flock of sheep. And they were prepared, in the light of the significance of what had been entrusted to them, they were, into, they were willing to put that aside, that responsibility aside, to pursue what the Lord had brought to them. Now that was no mean decision on their part, that they were setting aside the responsibility for their means of income and maintaining their standard of living and they were going to follow through on what God had entrusted to them. Nothing else seemed to be matter. The sheep became a secondary consideration. They had to go at once. And I think we t- that's one of the first points we need to pick up. When some truth is entrusted to us, we need to look into that truth. We need to give application to that truth. We need to seek out the details of that truth and um, ensure that we don't dismiss it as something that is just another bit of information. So they seriously ascertained the facts, and they speedily ascertained the facts too. They came with haste, we read at verse 16. They didn't mess around and say, well, we'll have a meeting about this in the morning um, and talk to the family and uh, probably follow it up at a convenient time, check our diaries and so on. That, That wasn't the attitude at all. They knew that this was a matter of the utmost importance and it required an immediate response. Now that also is another point, particularly boys and girls that we that you and, and all of us need to take um, account of. When the message of salvation becomes clear to us, when we understand that we are sinners for whom the Lord Jesus came into the world to seek and to save us, we need to respond to that 
by receiving him, accepting him and moving in accordance with his will. We do not need to put up the... Our New Testament tells us, behold, today is the day of salvation. We don't have guarantees about further down the track and all sorts of stories about people who have postponed um, responding to the gospel. But these men were responsible and responsive and they did that immediately. They both seriously and speedily went to find out the facts. Well, when they got there, they accepted the findings that they came across. They, they found, we read there that in verse 16, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They'd been told that this would be the case, and they went looking, and they found, yet that is so. And the miracle of our Saviour's birth became real to them. Now just consider what would have happened when they came in to the place where Mary and Joseph and the baby, the Lord Jesus Christ, were. Conversation. Hello, I'm Jacob, or whatever his name was, one of the shepherds. Oh, hello, I'm Joseph. Introduced each other uh, to each other. And uh, we've this this message we've heard from an angel of the Lord. We we could hardly believe it. We've just come to um, to to see this baby, um, who's who's born King of the Jews. Um, we've come to see him. Uh, and con- incidentally, congratulations, Joseph. Um, wonderful that your son. Oh, sorry, no, no. Joseph would have had to explain this was not his child. The, the, undoubtedly there would have been some explanation but whether there was or not we know that this was the son of God and these men came to our saviour and the miracle of his birth became clear and to us if not to them I can't imagine they went away without knowing from the, the lips of Joseph and Mary um, what had actually led up to this occasion and they would know um, I feel confident that and in event whether they know knew or we do know that he was the one born of the virgin as promised and the prophecy that again we had brought to us um, this morning born according to the word of God one of the commentators has said about this fact Without the virgin birth, we would have no saviour. If he had carried a single trait of sin, then he would have needed a saviour like any other son of Adam's race. And that wonderment would have become clear, I have no doubt at all, because of the faithfulness of, of Joseph and Mary um, in making known what the Lord had done. He was a sinless, supernaturally born child of a virgin and these men came ascertaining that fact. They found the miracle and they found the message of the Saviour's birth. They found Joseph, it says, as well as Mary. The witness of Joseph um, centred in the message of the Saviour's birth. 
An angel had appeared earlier to Joseph, saying, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And now these men had been entrusted with the message that this promised Saviour has now been born. Stephen Olford, commenting about this passage, says, Whatever else we think about at Christmas time, the thought of the saviourhood of Christ should have preeminence. Christ did not come into the world primarily to teach, reform, heal, or even raise the dead. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And what was the rest of that verse that we had also this morning brought to our attention by our brother Paul? Of whom I am chief. Every man, woman and child in this room can identify with that. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Well, they certainly found the miracle, they found the message and they found the majesty of the Saviour. They found the babe lying in a manger and the witness um, of uh, his majesty was that God had announced him as such. And God himself was now contracted to a span, as Charles Wesley uh, beautifully puts it. The God who created the immensity of the universe is present, is manifested in the person of that babe, our Lord Jesus Christ. The wonder of this is beyond as equally beyond our comprehension as to grasp intellectually the magnitude of what he has created. I was listening to a news program just very recently when the announcer very confidently mentioned that a constellation that was being portrayed was 100... What was it? 1,000. It was tens of thousands of millions of light years away. Put some figures on that in, in uh, terms of um, kilometres. It's incomprehensible. But that, that simply raises another question. If you get past that one, what is next? And when you get to the end of that, what comes after that? We cannot grasp that. And we cannot grasp the glory, the majesty, that God who spoke that into creation now is present. He has loved us. He has loved humanity. He has come into this world to seek and to save us. Oh, the majesty of it all, the wonder of it all. Um, how great thou art in terms of the hymn that we were just singing. Well, they, yes, they ascertained the fact, they accepted the findings that they came to, but there's a third element in this that those of us who have come to know Christ need to take note of, all of us. They announced the faith concerning him. They announced it in, in two ways. We read um, in verses 17 and 18, when they had seen him, 
they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marvelled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. One commentator's put it like this. These men, at the bottom of the social scale of Israel, were chosen as the first preachers of the newborn king. As they made known their story, the news spread to Bethlehem, to, to Jerusalem, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Indeed, 2,000 years later, we find ourselves reading fragments of their report. They had a message to tell. And the Lord Jesus, immediately after his resurrection, gave that great commission to his church. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And that commission continues to motivate every Christian in every part of the world. These men were the beginning of that movement of making Christ known. They could not unsee what they had seen. They could not unhear what they had heard. That message had gripped them. That now, that now possessed their beings and they had to make that known and they did so widely. They publicly announced it. And what's more, they praisefully or worshipfully announced it. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. There was nothing apologetic or pessimistic about um, their testimony. On the contrary, they were glorifying God. And that spirit of praisefulness is one of the distinguishing marks of a person who's come to Christ, who's heard the message, who's understood the message, who's received and surrendered to Christ. Um, And we read in Acts 2 at verses 46 and 47, they were daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, eating their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And uh, further down, as a result, the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. There is a contagion, something contagious and wonderful about the joy that's in the heart of and in the countenance of and in the testimony of a person who's truly born again of the Spirit of God. I think we all know how overflowing with that joy we were. The day that we came to Christ, we had something to tell. We've got something to share. And it's a danger for us as we get older that we um, cease to or we limit the occasions when we make known the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here, these unknown fellows don't know their names. We know that they were 
pretty well down the pecking order of things in society, but they became men with a message, men on a mission, men with something to share. And by God's grace, every one of us in this room has um, heard the message. We've known and understood that the love of God has touched millions of other lives and has touched our lives and it's able to bring salvation to those who will call upon him in faith, in saving faith. So there we have it. Just a few things that we can learn from those, those shepherds, young or old, I don't know. David was only a lad in his teens when he was responsible for a flock under his father's control. These might have been um, men of any age who were looking after the sheep. That's, un, that's unimportant. The fact is that they received the word of God. God sought them out and he spoke to them. He came to them. The initiative was with the Lord and the Lord has done that for us. He's brought each of us under the sound of his word. Not just delivered by an angel. This is delivered by inspiration of God, our Bible is the God-breathed word of God, the infallible word, as we're often reminded of an infallible God. This is God-breathed. This is a word from which neither jot nor tittle can pass away, though heaven and earth pass away. This is the word of the living God that we have received, and the responsibility for us is no less than it was for these men who were absolutely driven. We've got to ta- go into Bethlehem and check, check this out. We've got to respond to this appropriately. They did, they ascertained the facts, they accepted the findings and they announced their faith in the, both a public way and in a worshipful way. And we find that that is true in the New, in the New Testament later on. As soon as believers... Um, were people became believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. They were worshipful of him. Will the Lord help us to be public in our announcements and worshipful in our um, adoration of our Saviour? Loving Father, we do thank you that these ordinary fellows from so long ago um, can be examples to us, whatever our Um, background educationally or um, religiously or culturally or in any other way we want to thank you that we too have been made recipients of your precious word of the wonderful message of full and free salvation of God becoming of you Lord becoming a man and living amongst men and bearing our sin and shame and bearing our sins to Calvary. Lord, we want to thank you for the wonders of this message and pray that you will enrich all of us as we consider these truths and that we too, like the angelic host, will say glory to God in the highest. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. May we serve you with every fibre of our being and live for you while we have breath. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Saviour, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now and forever. Amen.